So, week four, I have a conviction. And here's the conviction I want to talk about today. I have a conviction about battles. And I want to talk to you about war. I want to talk to you about being in a battle and what my conviction is. Here's the conviction I have. I have a conviction that you should always run to the battle. You should never run away from the battle, but you should run straight at the battle. I know in my own self, uh, by nature, I'm a flight person, not a fight person. But over time, God has been training me. As the Bible says, He trains my fingers for battle and my hands for war. And what does that mean? He means that He wants me to understand that battles in my life are there so that I have His authority and I learn how to be a seasoned, mature follower of Jesus. Battles are not exempt. We're not exempt from battles as believers. We need to know how to fight them. First thing, you should run to it. And the great story that we know very well is the story of David and Goliath. And we know in the story of David and Goliath, when Goliath stood up on one mountain and the the Israelites stood on the other mountain and he shouted for 40 days, give me a man that we may fight together. He was throwing intimidation and he was throwing a threat and he was throwing a, a, a challenge out to the children of Israel. And Saul, who was the giant of Israel, we won't go into this story, was the giant of Israel, a foot taller than everybody else, should have beaten Goliath that day. But because of fear, he ran from the battle. He didn't run to the battle. And for 40 days, they were intimidated, remembering that the the Philistines had taken territory that belonged to Judah. That's how it works. The enemy comes into the edge of our marriage, the edge of our business, the edge of our finances, the edge of the things that are important to us and sets up an intimidation uh, uh, exchange in order to take more of our territory so we become slaves to that entity in our lives. I've had to fight the spirit of intimidation all my life, all my life. And I gotta tell you, I don't feel intimidated very often anymore. It took coming to America, actually, to heal me completely, almost, uh, of it. Uh, I don't know why. It was just God's timing and my tenacity to break through and not live in fear. I wrote a book about fear because that's how I lived. But I've overcome it, and I want to share some of that with you. It says in verse 30, in verse 48, as the Philistines, so what happens is David goes before uh, Saul, and we'll get to that story in a minute. And then and suddenly he's now walking towards Goliath. He's the only one brave enough in the whole of the armies of Saul to go, you know what? We're gonna go to the battle. We're not gonna just stand still or run away from the battle. And he says, I'm going out there. I wanna do it. And we'll talk about why he did it in a moment uh, as well. But it says this, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. I love this. 17 years of age, however old he was at that time, young and handsome and not experienced. But he knew God and he believed that he could take on a bear, which he had, he could take on a lion, therefore I can take on this. Can I say that the things we go through in life, to echo what Pastor Jane says, the things that we go through in life are to train us for bigger things. If you could see the challenge you're in as a stepping stone to greater responsibility and authority, and you could see it as a threat to your authority, and therefore you must beat it because God wants to enlarge your place, it would change the way. 
don't we feel, I don't know about you, but I do, when I'm in a conflict, it feels personal. Right? Anyone else feel like that? It feels personal. Imagine if I could depersonalize it and not say it's about me, just say it's about life and that I'm actually stepping up to another level of authority in God and that's why I have to run to the battle. Those little battles you've been through and won, they're to train us for the bigger battles so that more of us can reign with Him. And so what does David do? As, the, as Goliath moved closer to attack him, David didn't run away. He didn't back off. He didn't stand his ground. He just ran quickly towards the battle line. Quickly, reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine in the head. The stone sunk into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. We know the story. David went across and he cut off his head. And I've often thought to myself, why did he cut off his head? I'll tell you why because you are never gonna to talk to me the way you've talked to me ever again. Intimidation, you may be knocked out, you may feel knocked back, but I'm gonna make sure those lips cannot speak to me and create fear in us anymore. And so he did the job, fully did the job, and God wants us to do that in our lives. And, uh, the challenge, and I sense God saying to us, run to the battle. Not run away from the battle, run to the battle. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Because God's on your team. God's on your side. All the provocation, the fear, the anxiety needs to be dealt with. Sometimes it's a war and a conflict and a challenge that eliminates the fear in my own life when I face it. And I know when I face fear, I run at it. It's the only way I can survive. Running, as soon as I hesitate in my running towards it, fear engulfs me. But when I run at it, I'm too busy to be thinking about what it's gonna do to me if I fail. So I just run at the battle, right? Now, uh, it's time to engage, it's not time to wait. But here's the, the, the paradox, right? I've gotta be able to fight and not lose my peace. Fight and not lose my peace. Because peace tells me that I'm working with the Spirit of God and that I'm living under grace. And as soon as anxiety dominates me, fear grabs hold of me, which it tries to do all the time, guess what? Then I succumb to that. But when I start to realize, okay, I've got to overcome that. I've got to stay in a place of peace. And I'll talk to you about that in just a moment. Um, learn how to confront without losing your peace. By the way, if you've not signed up for the leadership school, which starts on Monday night, that's what I'll teach you a lot of, how to fight. So make sure you get on Church Center app and sign up for that. And also, if you've not yet signed up for the fight with the city that I talked to you about last week. I had meetings this week with a CFO of the hotel over there. I've had meetings with the mayor. I've had meetings with business. I've had meetings everywhere. You know, some of those meetings I came out feeling a little bit intimidated for a second. And then I'm like, no, I'm running to this. I'm running to the battle. God has it in control, but I'm running to the battle. If you can join us, hide our litigator this week. If you can join us, uh, that would be awesome. Church Center app has a place. It wouldn't be awesome if 100 people turned up in red shirts at the city chambers on the 16th of October at 6.30 p.m. I think it would be an awesome day. I'm sure I'm gonna be a bit nervous before I get there. But once we're in that, then it's on. All right, so join us for that. 
And on the screen, I think there's a QR code. So if you want to just scan that to find out the details, join us as, because we don't want an apartment hotel put up on that piece of land. At least I don't. What about you? You want? No, okay, good. Second thing, you got to run to the battle. Second thing, you need to know why you're fighting. And this is really interesting to me. Let's read in 1 Samuel 17, verse 25. Now, the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth. Everybody say great wealth. Great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage. And he will exempt his family from taxes. It's not a bad three-part deal. Who thinks that's a... Okay. Let's imagine he has a son too, right? A son for those that want a son to be married to. So, and exempt his family from taxes. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? What's going to happen again? What did you guys just say? How do we, what, what happens if you win? They told him again. In fact, his older brother got really angry at David. He said, what are you doing here? Just making mischief, tick off, go back and tend some sheep. David keeps asking and moves around. And he says, David asked the man, standing, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from evil? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him, what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. It's an odd thing to see David fighting as a 17-year-old with five stones until you realise what he's fighting for. He's fighting for the freedom of his nation. That seems big enough. He's fighting for his future. That's incredible. But he's also fighting for his family. This battle is going to affect his family. It's going to affect his finances. It's going to affect his future and it's going to affect his freedom, the four Fs, okay? The four Fs. It's going to affect his family, his finances, his future, and his freedom. Every battle we're engaged in, where it comes to work, business, whatever it might be, affects those things, right? It could may even affect our health as well. And of course, if you die in the, in the, in the war here, it's only going to affect your health. So you could put five things in there, right? I couldn't find an F for health, so let's just stick with four plus the H. All right. I wanted to make it easy for you to remember. So what made David run to the battle were the rewards of winning. Here's what I want to get into your heart today. There are rewards for winning this battle. I have a conviction that when you run to the battle, there are rewards for winning. I am a recipient of many, many rewards from God for not allowing fear to subsume me, not allowing conflict to overwhelm me, not allowing the enemies who've tried to cut me down over the years, I've been around a long time, to succeed. Instead of running away, I've run towards. I remember my first day as a senior pastor, no, maybe it was the first week, first day, first of all, I was in the Supreme Court of South Australia. First day. I'm in the Supreme Court against killers. And I am ready, and guess what? They capitulate because God's with me. And that was my first document I ever signed as a senior pastor of our church. Church has been around 100 years, so I'm not the first guy. I know I look like the founder, but I'm not the founder. <laughs> right? And so I'm just one in a line of great people that have come. My first document, my first week, a lawyer 
and another group turned up at my elders' meeting asking for entry to the elders' meeting, wanting to come to this elders' meeting about some service they were running, rah, 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 and they were, not ups- they were not happy with the church. They wanted to come to the elders' meeting. I'm like, whew, this is me now. There's no one else to protect me. This is me. What do I do now? Sorry, we don't do that here. And you can't come in, I'm afraid, because we don't, that's not this kind of meeting. But it's intimidating, right? There are consequences to overcoming the battle. There are consequences to running to the battle. You imagine if Israel, and this is what struck me when I watched the movie on Friday night about the Yom Kippur War in 73, was if they had just capitulated and run back, they would have been overrun in a second. They were outflanked, they were caught by surprise. The intelligence hadn't even turned on the listening devices they had in 1973, as according to this movie. And, and so they were caught by surprise. Here they are, they're about to lose. And the, prim, uh, the Prime Minister, Golda Meir, this woman uh, who's, I think, a Ukrainian Jew that came to America and then back in Israel, <coughs> she watches her famous general who'd won the Six-Day War seven years ago blunder on television, so she decides to get up and give a speech. We are going to win. They had suffered massive casualties in the first day. We are going to win. We're pushing the enemy back. And she began to speak like a winner, not like the guy just been on talking like, oh, we're getting overrun. We're going to die here. You know, let's pray, et cetera, et cetera. So I love people who run to the battle because if you run, if you run away from the battle, you'll find another one. You might as well just reduce the amount of battles in your lifetime. You're gonna have a certain amount. Just reduce them by win, 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 win. Does that make sense? Because I used to realize that even if I didn't go into the fight, I lost emotionally. I felt part of me taken away by the worry and the fear. So none of that, I don't like that feeling. I like that feeling less than I like the feeling of the battle. I'm running to the battle. But when you run for the right reasons, when you know why you're running, it makes a difference. So here's my question to you in your conflicts. Why are you fighting? Sometimes there is a time to say peace. Sometimes it is a time to say, hey, I was wrong. But why are you fighting? If you get that right, then run hard to the battle, right? A battle is worth fighting when these five things are at stake. Your principles, your future, your health, your finances, and your family. Do you agree? Come on, they're worth fighting for, right? Third thing is this, you need to be convinced about who you're fighting with. I never go into a battle where I feel like I'm fighting alone. Can I say to you the worst battles to fight are battles that you fight by yourself? You know, though, what does the Bible say? Though one may be overpowered, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not easily broken. I've done that at so many weddings. I remember that from Ecclesiastes 4. Though one may be overpowered, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. And we always talk about that being God, the third part person in this marriage. I've got to tell you, when I got married to Pastor Jane, I knew I needed God in that marriage. To help her, no, to help, help us both. I was just trying to think how I was gonna get out of that. Right, I needed God to be the third person in that marriage, why? Because she's strong and I'm strong. Guess what, between us, there's gonna be a lot of strength and moments of interesting conversations. The only thing, the reason we've been able to make it so brilliantly so far 
is because we have a Holy Spirit who reminds both of us when we go away from the conflict, keep your heart soft, say sorry, you didn't do the right thing, but I want her to say sorry first because I always say sorry. And she's thinking, I always say sorry and he always deserves to say sorry. You know, there's all that going on, the Holy Spirit says, listen, you're both wrong, you're both lacking humility, just say sorry to each other. And the Holy Spirit has been the secret source in our conflicts. We've made it through. It wasn't just love and feelings, it was decisions and relationship with the Holy Spirit. So one may be overpowered, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. So you need to know who you're fighting with. And I love this verse in 1 Samuel 17. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him, this giant of a man kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was a little more than a boy and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with your little sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. I can imagine how many F words were flying on that battlefield that day as he cursed him by his gods, right? I come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. And David doesn't even blink. He said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear, but actually I come against you. You think you're coming against me. You're not coming against me. I'm coming against you and I'm coming against you in the name of the Lord of hosts or the Lord Almighty. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves for the battle is the Lord's and He will give all of you into our hands. I love the power of that verbiage in a young man, right? Who's not had disappointments, you know, calm him down. He's like, listen, you think you're coming after me? You're not coming after me. I'm coming after you. Be the hunter, not the hunted. That's kind of how I approach life these days. I'm not being hunted. I'm hunting you. You don't even realize it yet. Even as I'm smiling at you, I'm encircling you. You have no idea. God's gone on that side. The angel's on that side. Boom, you're gonna, whoo, you're not gonna even know what hit you. And you're gonna feel the love of Jesus at the same time. That's what's incredible about all of that. Right? So I believe in being slain in the Spirit. Right there is when I need it. No, I'm only joking. Going too far. All right. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Let me tell you something, the battle belongs to the Lord. 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 The battle belongs to the Lord, everybody. The battle belongs to the Lord. Yeah, but I don't feel like He's helping me. The battle belongs to the Lord. Yeah, but I've been in this for a long, long time. Eight years I've waited for to get pregnant. The battle belongs to the Lord. Yeah, but I've tried this and tried that. It's not seeming to work. The battle belongs to the Lord. One may be overpowered, two can withstand Him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Who are you fighting with is my question. I never go into a fight if it's just me. I'm not that stupid. Because I've been smashed around many times being stupid. I learnt from my lickings, right? I learnt from being beaten. All right, we're not going to do it that way again. Right, this time I'm going with you, Lord. Unless you're in this, I'm not going into it. But if the Lord's with me, guess what? I'm going hard. I'm running into that battle because I believe the Lord's with me. That's why when people take me on, particularly in regards to the church, you guys have no idea. It's not, I said to someone on, the, on a Zoom call two weeks ago, you think this is personal. This is not about me. This is about the church of the living God. Do you understand? 
that I'm only wrestling for the things that matter to him and to the church? I want to put a little bit of fear into that conversation. And it wasn't at my end. Anyway, says this. I didn't say it that way, by the way. I said it very lovely. Don't copy my accent, just copy my words. It was beautifully said, with grace and peace flowing like a river. All right. So that's why I encourage you to come to the prayer meetings. Can I say, if you're in a battle and you're not at the prayer meetings, well, good luck. Right? And the reason I say that is I'm just honest. If you don't pray, you will be praying. And if you complain about it, that doesn't work either because God responds to faith. So you've got to get out of the no faith zone into the hope zone and into the faith zone. That comes through a process of praying. Just like the children of Israel had to go through a process to get to the Holy of Holies, Jesus and God have made it exactly the same way. We have to go through our flesh, get into our emotions, pass that into our spirit. Then our prayers have powerful effects. That's why a lot of people don't have their prayers answered. You've got to know how to. And praying with a group is so easy because they're carrying you along as you're going through your challenge. And we do that on Wednesday mornings and Sunday mornings. It's not an ad for those meetings. We have a great time without you, but we'd love to see you there for you, right? I can't help it. It's, the, it's that time of day. Okay. I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Do you approach the day like that? Can I encourage you to do that? Can I say this? The pastor in me, as I've got older, has got a little bit smaller. The coach in me has got much bigger. I know how to win and I know how you can win. And so I want to speak to your winning spirit, not to speak to the empathy I feel deeply for the situations you're in, but I do feel it very much so. I have to watch myself because I, I feel I get so into people's battles, I carry it for them, and then I've lost my faith in the middle of it because I'm feeling the empathy side of it. So I have to turn myself back into the warrior God's called me to be and run to the battle. Number four, you must keep your peace at all costs. And at this particular moment, I'm going to invite my assistant to the stage, my lovely assistant. Would you give her a, a big hand as she comes on up? <laughs> You're going to stand over there or however. You stand wherever you want to. <laughs> hey, you shouldn't touch my backside like that. <laughs> okay, moving on. All right. You have to fight with the force of peace. So here's the other part. You've got to fight, run to the battle, but you've got to fight with the force of peace. I want to talk to you about that. Proverbs 4 says this, above all else, every other thing, guard your heart for out of it flows the rivers of life or the boundaries of life, the issues of life. So let me say this to you. This is the hardest part. This is the biggest part. God wants you to fight with the force of peace. The Bible says this, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So therefore, I take captive every thought and bring it into obedience under the Lordship of Jesus. So I've got to, I've got to fight with grace as my weapon. The Word is my weapon. I've got to fight under grace and peace. I'm gonna believe I'm loved by God and God's taking me through something for me to win because as I win, I'm able to learn how to be a warrior who can teach my children and my family also to win. 
How many know that you don't fight well when you're anxious? Who's ever been for a very important meeting, and I've had this happen to me a lot, and you're just really nervous? And you get out of that meeting, you always think, I wish I'd have said this and this and this and this, but your mind goes blank. You don't fight well when you're anxious. You don't fight well when you're worried. You don't fight well when you're fearful. You fight best when you're calm, when you know God is with you. And the symptom that you know God is with you and that you're in that zone is that you feel peace. It might be a little bit of nervousness, you're human, but I need to feel peace before I go and approach the mayor like I did this week. I need to feel peace. I came straight out of a prayer meeting to call the CFO of that hotel. I need to feel peace and I need to be in a place of peace before I go do my battle. Make sense? Very, very important and I'll explain why for you. Jesus said not to be worried. He said, do not be troubled. Let your hearts not be troubled. He's saying you have control over that and you need to get a hold of your own heart and say, you will not fear, you will not worry. And sometimes I've said this to myself, what's the worst thing that can happen to me in all of this? I could die, then I go to heaven. So I'm not gonna worry. (laughs) I've literally said that to myself. Jane will tell you, my self-talk is a massive part of how I fight, how I get into the zone. I have a conviction that you have to run to the battle and you have to run to the battle with peace. And if I run to the battle in anger, it doesn't work. When I run to the battle, calm. There's something about calmness that's unsettling to an opponent. But let me tell you why. The word worry, Jesus said not to worry, and the word worry or be anxious here and everywhere else in the New Testament is the Greek word merim now. Let's see if we can get that up on the screen. Merim now. I'm not even sure if I'm saying it. It's my Australian accent. It's not Greek, but that's how it's supposed to say it in Greek, right? Merim now a part as opposed to the whole, whole, drawn in opposite directions, divided into parts to go to pieces, pulled apart in different directions. And this is where the cake comes in. You thought, where is that gonna belong in this message? This is me, this is the whole of me. Suddenly I'm in a battle in my family. And what happens is Merim now takes a piece of me away. It looks good, hey? A piece of me away. Then I'm struggling over here in my own emotions about my uncertainties and whatever. And suddenly Merim now happens because Merim now is to divide you into pieces and to take pieces of you away. So suddenly your confidence goes. Suddenly your feelings of strength and boldness go. Somehow, have you found that when you're talking to people? I've talked to people that are in the middle of a conflict and you can't get a word in because they're not listening. Anyone been there? They're they're so zoned in on the conflict, you can't get a word in, right? What's happened is their soul, this is their soul. Looks like part of their soul's fallen over. Their soul, and I gave it to my best assistant. (laughs) Can you believe that? Okay. (laughs) That was a big mistake. But the point is, you try to talk to somebody and part of them's not there. Who's ever talked to someone and you know they're a million miles away? They're thinking about the conflict. This is what's happened, why Jesus said not to worry, because worry is drawn in opposite directions, going to pieces, having pieces of you taken out. Let's take that one out. Can you take that one out? You can have a go. I want to see. I'm just going to distract them over here. Here, look over here. Yeah. Okay. Now, when we worry, we allow part of us to be divided and removed. 
I'm worried about the kids, there goes a piece of me. I'm worried about our finances, there goes another piece. This is why we get exhausted. Have you ever known when you're in a fight, you're exhausted because you only have half of you left, okay? We find ourselves distracted. We have a loss of energy. We're not present in a conversation. It's because portions of us have been divided. Our mind is divided. Our heart is depleted. Our focus is divided. And Jesus said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. Not maybe not stand, cannot stand. And it's interesting that the word peace in the New Testament is the word, I'm gonna say at how an Aussie would say, Irene. It's a girl's name, Irene. But the way that you say that word is, let me see if I've got it here, is Irene, Irene, okay, Irene. That's, I'm gonna say Irene just to keep it simple, right? And Irene means to join, tie together into the whole. Can you see what's happening? Yes, you can start putting those back. That as I find peace, I'm praying. This happened to me on Wednesday. I was concerned about something. I was concerned about what was going on. Don't be concerned about her. Just, you know, I was concerned and I got into the prayer time. We had such a phenomenal prayer time. Everyone was there. Come on. It was incredible. And for the whole day, I felt the presence of God and I felt no concern. It had all gone. I was in, yeah, come on, boy. Give me five. Give me 10. Give me 100. I'm ready to go. Why? Because all the pieces had been put back. My energy levels were high. My mental acuity was sharp. My intelligence levels were at their premium. Why? Because the whole of me had been put back by peace. Does that make sense? Okay. And so I don't know if you've ever, I remember speaking to a pastor. I've got to rush, rush all this. But I was speaking to a pastor and he told me his story. He looked like he was successful, but he told me that he struggled with cancer while he was a pastor. And he got so sick that in the midst of his worst time, he couldn't work, so he lost his church. They asked him to step down. He lost his church, he was unemployed. Then his wife had an affair and he lost his wife. He went through six bouts of chemo. <laughs> That's why you need more than two people to help in these kind of situations, right? You don't you fight by yourself. And then be careful who you choose in your system. No. <laughs> he got so sick and everything was so terrible. And he said, in the midst of my darkest hour, I discovered this, the force, and this is how he described it to me, the force of peace. There's something about peace that's forceful, even though it seems like a oxymoron. Good job. Pastor Jane, you are a champion. I've told you the story, but I was in a banked holdup, an armed holdup, gunman pointing guns at my head and at my son's head. So stockings over their faces, sawn off shotguns, both of them pointed at us. And as I hit the floor and I said the name Jesus, I can't tell you what happened except this. I felt like this blanket came. All fear just gone. It's like this blanket, the force. Suddenly I'm debating myself about getting up and rebuking this armed robber who's pointing very nervously this gun at me, looking very ugly with his stocking. I should get up and rebuke him in Jesus' name. Honestly, I was fighting, should I do that? Should I do that? All the fear had gone. That's the force of peace. You know, when we prayed last Wednesday, supernatural peace descended on us and it lasted all day. 
The force of peace unsettles all those that are opposed to you. The force of peace puts back the pieces and makes you whole. In Luke 8, we have three stories, one after the other, about the force of peace. I won't read the two of them, but I'll just read this one about the woman with the issue of blood. And I want to talk to you about that. As Jesus is on his way, the crowds almost crushed him and a woman was there who'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Now, why would she need peace if God's healed her? Surely he's done the job. He's given her what she wants. Well, well. So what had happened was she got healed, but her life internally, emotionally was a mess. God wanted to give her wholeness as well as healing. What God wants to give to us is a wholeness. And sometimes the wholeness starts first. He says, your faith has healed you, go in peace. And that's because He is putting back, He's what He's saying is I'm putting back all the parts. Not only have I healed you of the bleeding, but I'm putting back all the PTSD, all that worry. When you see the first sign of blood, you think you're bleeding. I'm getting rid of all that memory. I'm getting rid of all of that hurt, the pain of that past to affect you. I'm going to give you wholeness. I'm going to give you Irene. You've had Merim now for 12 years. Now I'm going to give you Irene. I'm going to put the pieces back together. The devil's trying to pull the pieces away, but I'm going to put them back together together and that's why we need Irene so that we can get healed and whole we need to move on but moved on whole I'm going to say this there are people in this room you've moved on from previous situations but did you move on whole you moved on you had to survive you made it you moved on but Jesus doesn't want you just to move on healed he wants you to move on whole that's a whole nother level and levels of healing and the secret for our lives, I want to tell you if we're in the fight, is to protect this cake. Protect this cake. Do not let Merrim now steal your cake. Do not let worry steal your cake. You can't fight as well if the cake is missing and pieces are missing. You can't parent if you're in the middle of a battle and you're not whole. It's hard to, much harder. You can't work the same way when you're in the middle of all this. That's why I've dealt my whole life with fear. I'm an expert on fear. I get it. I've had panic attacks in, in my years gone by, like 30 years ago, when it grabbed me darkness in my mind in battles. I know how precious it is to keep the cake and what happens when you're left with just a piece or two. And that's why Peter says this, cast all your care upon Him. All your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. And then he says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. Notice that, like a roaring lion, looking for someone. He doesn't care who it is. He's looking for somebody. Well, guess what, buster? It's not gonna be me. You go find someone else. You gotta remember the devil isn't a lion and the devil is a created being. So he's not omnipresent. He's only in one place at a time. So while he's attacking Pastor Ryan, he is not attacking me. Here's a few little minions. Get off. <laughs> but he roars like a lion, so we are distressed. One of our pastors is from Zimbabwe. And he said they were taught because they're with lions and all these, the big five all the time. And they said, if you are out there uh, uh, by yourself or with friends and a lion comes along, what you have to do is you have to 
make the biggest part, the, the biggest version of yourself, and you have to roar and shout back at the lion. And they were taught this as part of their survival tactic. Well, guess what? The devil isn't even a lion. He's just roaring like a lion. So he causes us to give away cake. Take some more, take some more, leave me alone. Take some more, take some more. But it doesn't make any better. And that's why we have to run to the battle. We have to ask God to help us. And when we do, things change. And so today, I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray for you if you're in a battle again. And I wanna pray for you if you say, I need wholeness. Maybe you're not in a battle, but you didn't get the wholeness. I believe God wants to do that. And I'm gonna get the band. We're probably gonna go a few minutes over today just because of everything that's gone on. But I want us for the next three or four minutes to just focus in and then we'll be finished in about three or four minutes. I want us to focus in on this peace that passes all understanding, the force of peace. It says that when Jesus healed the demoniac, He was in His right mind, but the people around were afraid. Why? Because there's something about the force of peace that makes others nervous. That's the point. Ever been somewhere and you're with someone that's very confident and you're, you, then you look at other people and they're like, oh, they're not so confident anymore. They were confident with me because I look fearful. But with them, they're like, all right, we better watch out. That's how God wants us to live. So I want us, we're gonna sing this song, one of these songs in just a moment in worship as we go out, have our donuts and our coffee. Maybe you're in this place and you've never given your life to Jesus. I want you to, pray this prayer after me. And then after we've prayed this prayer, we're gonna stand and we're gonna worship God just for a few minutes. And if you are lacking that wholeness and you need that peace put back, that Irene, my peace I leave with you, he says. A peace that passes all understanding. I shouldn't be peaceful. I'm facing a lawsuit. I shouldn't be peaceful. I'm facing a divorce. I'm gonna be peaceful. I'm gonna discover that Jesus alongside of me can help me win every battle and overcome every Goliath.